Hey everyone, before we get going with the episode, I want to make an apology up front. Uh, during the episode, uh, there will be some audio issues. So if you notice any kind of change in audio quality during this episode, I like to apologize for that up front. Just letting you guys know. So with that known, uh, enjoy today's episode. I'm JP Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. All right, this week we are taking a look at uh, the Disney film The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes from 1969, starring a young Kurt Russell. While this was not his, yeah, well, this was not his first film, it's definitely one of his early ones. It's his first starring role. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell would have his first pair, his first film in 1963 with "It Happens at the Wor- It Happened, <laughs> It Happened at the World's Fair," starring Elvis Presley, with as he was the kid that kicked Elvis in the leg. Good for him. <laughs> uh, his first movie for Disney would be a few years later, 1966, "Follow Me, Boys," with Fred McMurray. Walt Disney, I find it interesting that Walt Disney believed in Kurt Russell so much that Disney signed him to a 10-year contract. And, And really, Walt gloated about him. So let's get on with the business at hand, and that is Follow Me Boys. To us, this is a very special kind of motion picture, and one of which we're very proud. It has a fine cast, and uh, oh yes, you're about to meet a 15-year-old boy for whom I predict a great acting future. His name is Kurt Russell. Yeah, and he was a teenager at the time, and you're signing a teenager to a 10-year contract, and that is really dangerous because you don't know what that kid is going to grow into. He may not be the kind of actor that you thought he was, or he just may not want to keep acting. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about child actors who they hit like 18 or something, and they go, nah, that was fun as a kid, and now I want to go off to college and become an accountant or something. Or child actors that just never make the transition to adult acting. They just never get the roles. Yeah, that they're like a really cute kid and then they become an adult and there's something about them that people just don't want to cast them. It's really weird saying Kurt Russell was a Disney kid. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure how many people really know that today because you think of him... In so many other roles, you know, Mm -hmm. like you think of him and you'll think of like Snake Plissken or something, Mm -hmm. but you, 
you won't really think of like Kurt Russell Disney kid, you know, <laughs> like. I mean, he we does. have talked about Kurt Russell before. He was in Sky High, so he kind of returned to Disney in that regard. Well, and of course, he's still he's in the MCU. He's ego, you know? yeah, yeah. He's Star Lord's dad. Um, I, I believe he still did ego for the for the What If series, if not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he he shows back up and he lends his voice uh, for What If. Um, and of course, he's in one of my favorite movies, Stargate, which we've talked about before not a disney movie yet but uh we did mention it in passing when we talked about roland emmerich um and he is one of the many actors to play santa claus he was in the christmas chronicles one and two i believe that was for netflix yeah i don't i don't remember who has that one but yeah um but uh and of course that's with his wife Goldie Hawn, who he met on a Disney film, yeah, back uh, when they were like teenagers. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, he he started back with with Disney when he was a teen, and he still working with Disney to this day. Um, also, Fox and the Hound, which we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, he was adult copper in Fox and the Hound. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's been in a lot of Disney films over the years. Um, but this one started it off his uh, leading man career at least. His his leading man career that is uh and it's a a really interesting thing to have started off his stardom, I guess. Uh, has a a really interesting cast around him, especially for the time. Cesar Romero plays our villain, A.J. Arno, and he was the OG Joker in the Batman series. Yeah, still one um, of my favorite Jokers of all time. I mean, it's like Mark Hamill, Cesar Romero. (laughs) Yeah. You can't do better than Mark Hamill as the Joker. Mm Mm-hmm. No, nobody will ever convince me otherwise. But Cesar Romero, close second. Another actor that we've talked about before, the voice of your childhood, Frank Welker. Frank Welker! In a rare on-screen role, playing playing uh, one of the college kids, Henry. It's weird seeing him in an on-screen role, because he's so known as being a voice actor. He's known as being the voice actor. Um, it's it's been really interesting because lately, uh, John DiMaggio, who does Bender from Futurama, has been showing up in things just as an on-screen actor. Um, he was in Interview with the Vampire, the recent TV series, and it's so weird to see him just being like an on-screen actor and not doing voices, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of weird seeing a very young Frank Welker cuz he was also playing a college kid alongside Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um so they're they're probably of an age uh and 
and, and this is 69. That's the year Scooby-Doo came out. Yeah. Um, but it's just him being like a normal college kid, you know? In his, in his normal voice, which, yeah, that's Fred's voice. Yeah. His, that's just his normal voice, and it's weird him talking in his normal voice, seeing his face, and I'm looking, Freddy! <laughs> yeah. Also, as one of the main characters, we've got uh, William Shallert, who, if you are a kid like me, you're going to recognize him as the dad from the Patty Duke show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, of course, he was in freaking everything. Um, one of the most recognizable faces of, like, 50s and 60s uh, television film. Definitely one of those actors that Disney would use a lot in their movies. Oh, yeah. And also there's uh, a uh, uncredited Ed Begley Jr. as one of the uh, college kids in the quiz bowl that's just kind of on screen for a few seconds and and then goes, it's probably one of his earliest film roles. Um so yeah. And 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 I mentioned, you know, we mentioned Fred McMurray. This ties into another Fred McMurray movie because this movie takes place at Medfield College, which is the same school that that the absent-minded professor with Fred McMurray took place in. So this takes place in the same universe as the absent-minded professor. This is the Flubberverse. <laughs> the Flubberverse. Oh, heaven forbid. Uh, not the Robin Williams one, the Fred McMurray one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, also, this is the first movie of a trilogy. Which I, I knew Kurt Russell did a lot of movies for Disney in his early career. I didn't know these movies were connected. So the Dexter Riley trilogy, that is the character that Kurt Russell plays. Three films, all starring Kurt Russell as Dexter Riley, all starring Cesar Romero as A.J. Arno. Uh, we have this movie, The Computer War Tennis Shoes. We get the sequel in 1972, Now You See Him, Now You Don't. And we got the third movie in 1975, The Strongest Man in the World. Two of these movies are on Disney+. Plus. That will be Computer War Tennis Shoes and The Strongest Man in the World. The second movie is not on Disney+, Plus, and I find that weird. Two of the three... Dexter Riley movies are on Disney Plus. What's the hold up on the on the center one? This the second movie in the trilogy. And you know, usually when when that happens, it's like there's a song or something used mm-hmm. in there, and they can't get the rights to it or something. Possibly, and yeah. Dexter Riley has to be one of the unluckiest kids that there has to be because every movie kind of follows the same formula of something happened to Dexter Riley that gives him a bit of a superpower and makes him super popular. In this movie, he gains the intelligence of a computer. In Now You See Him, Now You Don't, he, he becomes invisible 
and in the strongest man in the world, he gets super strength. This kid either has the best luck or the worst luck. Well, I mean, the best luck in that he keeps getting superpowers and the worst luck in that he keeps losing them. Yeah. I find also it's an era where Disney wasn't really known to do sequels. Like, we all talk about, oh, there's too many Disney sequels, there's too many Disney remakes. But if you were to tell someone they've been doing this since, like, the 60s, people might look at you funny. Well, I mean, also, it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of people younger than us, I think we remember it because of the, like, Lindsay Lohan remakes a little bit more, Mm -hmm. and also because they replayed the originals on Disney Channel so Mm -hmm. much. But, like, how many Herbie films were there? A lot. In fact, the first Herbie film came out the same year, The Love Bug. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Disney doing, like, franchise and sequels and stuff has gone back a while. Um, I mean, we've already talked about Absent-Minded Professor, and then there was Son of Flubber, which came out, I think both of those movies came out before the Dexter Riley films started. Yeah. So we've already got the precedent for Disney sequels in that. Um, But, you know, you get the Love Bug movies come out, and then there's like 18 Love Bug movies Mm. in in the 60s and 70s. And it's just, those were just an interminable number of films. And, and then you were... get to the 90s, and then it's like, you know, the the 90s, early 2000s, and they're like, hey, let's reboot this series. And we're like, please don't. Those were really stupid movies. <laughs> I mean, even the Computer War Tennis Shoes got a remake in 95 with, of all people, Kirk Cameron as Dexter Riley. Yeah. I mean, he he had a moment then. I'm glad that moment is over. Yeah, that's what back when he was relevant. Yeah, he's he's off with Banana Man now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the thing is, is it's kind of interesting that I remember hearing about this movie so much growing up, and maybe I watched it when I was really little, but. I do not remember ever seeing this movie. I confused this movie with a different movie about a different college student. A movie called The Misadventures of Merlin Jones. Which is not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you know, I might, I might have done the same thing. Because they're both about college students. They were both made in the 60s. It's just one has Kurt Russell. And but my dad would talk about this movie all the time when I was little. And maybe that's how I kind of like half remember seeing it, but not really ever seeing it. Yeah. Did you ever have that thing where your parents would talk about it so much you just kind of convinced yourself you experienced it? Through osmosis? <laughs> yeah. I I think I I think this movie may have been one of those things. 
I had seen advertisements for this movie on a lot of Disney home videos. Because I collected, you know, the clamshell home videos back in the day. Yeah, me too. And they would always have one of these older movies on there now on video home, Disney home video, the computer wore 10 issues yeah. and other 60s, 70s Disney movies, live action. They were trying to sell. And it, for me, I know a lot about the animated era of the 60s. I know very little of the live action era because I was a kid and that was what I was into. Yeah, same. So. But the thing is, is that this was kind of my my dad's era. And so I grew up hearing him talk about, like, well, you know, watching these movies on, like, Wonderful World of Disney or whatever as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that... I think maybe that that's kind of how it ended up so firmly implanted in my brain. But then when I sat down to watch it, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't I don't really remember the plot to this. Maybe I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. Like, like, take a look at the movies of 1969 when this movie came out like this movie came out the same day as Hello, Dolly. If you're a, I'm going to say this because this was that weird era where if you're a kid, Disney's cool because they're releasing the cartoons. If you're an older kid, Disney is uncool because they're appealing to kids and families. So if you're a teenager, college student, the movies aren't really going, aren't, as much as Disney tries to aim to that audience, it's not really catching on. Because, like I said, if you're, let's say you're a college student, in 1969 and you have the computer war 10 issues and you also have hello dolly and you also have her majesty's secret service and you also have mash and you also have platoon and movies of that nature butch cassidy and the sundance kid yeah if i'm a teenager in 1969 i'm definitely going to see bond or you know, Butch Cassidy, you know, Butch Cassidy. I'm not going to see Computer War Tennis Shoes unless I have to take little my brother, little sister, my yeah. my siblings out to a movie. Yeah, because my parents made me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm um, gonna go hang out with my friends. Mom, we'll take your little sister, take your little brother with you. Well, there goes seeing Platoon tonight. We're going to go see the Computer War Tennis Shoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I I mean, honestly, no offense to this movie, but still today, if you're like, hey, which of these two movies do you want to watch? I'm still going for the Bond film. Yeah. You know. Um. Or or I'm going for Hello Dolly because I like musical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. You know, I kind of wonder exactly who they were trying to get with this movie. You know, I think it was trying to get that older kid demographic, or at least the young adult, because this is 
a character, you know, he's a college student. He's having real world pro- issues, trying to pass his exams, trying to handle a relationship. And then you'd throw in the supernatural stuff of, oh, no, now he has an entire computer in his brain. And you throw in a lot of slastic comedy. It's I mean, this is still a family movie. This is not really pushing any boundaries. You know. Kurt Russell isn't making out with any of the of the of the girls, especially the girl that's supposed to be his girlfriend in this movie. Well, he does like a little making out, but it's not like really hot and heavy, you know. There's no snogging in this movie. Yeah. So let's kind of get into where we're at here. So we have it's 1969, and there's this fancy new device that they're calling a computer. Have you heard of these computers? You know, I'm not really up on all the modern slang, so... So, yeah, computers are kind of a thing, and one of the professors uh, at Medfield College, Professor Quigley, trying to get uh, the dean of the school, Dean Higgins, to purchase a computer for the school because they want to modernize the school, especially since... All of the other colleges in the state have not only have computers, but are teaching computer classes. And Dean Higgins is just saying, we we're not a state college. We're a local college. We just don't have the funds to do that. Much to the chagrin of this group of students led by Dexter Riley. Oh, there's this circle of friends. They're kind of almost buddy-buddy with Professor Quigley, and he's kind of sticking up for them to the dean, trying to modernize the school, trying to to keep up with the times. And for some reason, they've bugged the dean's office? With a walkie-talkie, yeah. That's, yeah, I don't really know where that came from. The weird thing is, okay, this was the thing that stood out to me at first. I know that they're supposed to be college kids, but why Why does this have a high school feel to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Which is, makes me feel like this was trying to appeal to the older teenage demographic. Like, they wanted to have, they couldn't really hire teenage teenage actors for this kind of a movie. So they have uh, late teens, early 20s actors playing college students, but it's still in the vibe of a high school movie? Well, I, I just mean in the in the kind of the vibe, like, they're, they're bugging the dean slash principal's office, you know, like, which seems more like a, a high school shenanigans thing. Animal and House then, the Saints. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's like, okay, yeah, there's some kind of, like, frat house, dorm house that the guys are staying in, and all, but, like, the dean keeps giving announcements over a PA speaker. I've never been in a college that has that. 
Um, like, I don't know, maybe college was just, like, really different in the 60s or something, but you know what I'm saying? If maybe it's possible that this, this was supposed to be a high school movie, and then they changed it to uh, college because they didn't want to electrocute a little a young teenager, or they really wanted Kurt Russell in this movie, and they decided to age up the uh, the characters so Kurt Russell could be in the movie. Yeah, I don't know, but it's just it's very weird. I mean, maybe, like, if they had him be high schoolers, they would have had to have been like, well, where are his parents, you know? Yeah. What kind of parent would allow their children, their child to just continue on after being electrocuted? Yeah. But, anyway, so they they need this this computer, and Kurt Russell has the idea of, hey, I used to... T- clean house for a wealthy guy why don't i ask him to donate money so we can buy a computer enter cesar romero as as aj arno who already donates to the college so one could assume that he's likely some sort of alumnus at that college well it's also just rich people like to donate to colleges because it's a big tax write-off hmm Fair enough. Um, what Kurt Russell doesn't know is that Cesar Romero runs a gambling ring that is all controlled by a computer. And yeah, I love how we set this up because you have the Joker pulling a Batman. Yeah, he's got his own little bat cave with a giant bat computer. <laughs> like he pushes a button underneath his desk, the wall opens up to the Joker elevator and he gets down it to the bottom level to the Joker cave saying, Hey guys, uh, how's the racing going? Cause he's betting on horse races using a computer to mathematically figure out which horse is going to win the race or something. At least that's how I understood it. Well, it's just, it's keeping track of all the, the calculations that are coming in because he runs so many gambling establishments that it's telling it's telling him like how much money he's made on the horses how much money he's made in the roulette wheels how much money he's made in the you know and not not all of these gambling uh efforts are legal as there is a part of the movie where they go to one of his establishments and there's a bust and they all end up in jail. I mean, if they were legal, you wouldn't need the Joker cave, you know? That's true. I just like the fact that he has a guy running the computers named O'Brien and it's played by an Asian guy. Yeah. I do like that. Again, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, a little bit of progressive for 1969. Yeah, but he ultimately uh, AJ Arnold and his while he's also doing this illegal gambling thing, also decides I'm going to cancel my donation to the school and instead donate the computer instead. Yeah, I'm I'm still not sure why he does that. Well, but... if he doesn't have to spend any money, why? 
spend the money when he can just load off this old computer of his. Yeah. Because he was supposed to... I do find it that in, in a way he saves ten grand because he's because he said he was going to donate $20,000 to the school and then donate the $10,000 computer. Yeah. A computer that, again, uh, a 1969 supercomputer is way weaker than the very cell phone our dear listeners are probably listening to this on. Uh, that's way weaker than a cheap uh, calculator watch that you can buy. Yeah. Oh, the wonders of technology. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they they get the the computer into the classroom, and I love. Uh, Patty Duke's dad, the professor here, trying to show, like, hey, we could automate a house with a computer. What if it detected rain? It could open the door to let the cat inside and close all your windows and order groceries from you for, for you for delivery. Computer ordering groceries. I, 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 I have. That's a. That's crazy. That's amazing. Controlling your house with a computer. That, that, that. That's normal now. That's just normal things. It's amazing how they talk about that as a theory, and now everyone can do that with their phone. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my little uh, Amazon Wire tap can't really consistently turn the lights on and off correctly but yeah sure close enough yeah close enough um the the thing is is that then he tries to calculate something he was like and this computer used to work for nasa so let's ask it to calculate how long it would be to, to blast a rocket off to Timbuktu or something, and then the whole thing fritzes out. So Kurt Russell has to uh, says, "I'm not going to study for this big test we have tomorrow," because which sick of is studying. basically an SAT test. Yeah, they don't use the words, but it's like an SAT test, and uh, again, college question mark yeah it is coming more and more the more you get into the movie that this was at some point considered to be a high school film before they made it a college film i mean i'm not saying that you don't take standardized tests in college because you do but this seems more like an sat like it was supposed to be an sat test or something mm-hmm so I I feel like this was supposed to be set in a high school at some point, and then they were like, eh, let's just change it to college. And we can put if we can actually put that on Kurt Russell's contract. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, he decides not to study and instead drive to a different town to pick up a replacement part in a thunderstorm. And then he ends up studying in the car ride on the way 
back to, to the college anyway. Eyes on the road, Dexter. Eyes on the road. If you weren't getting electrocuted, you would have likely been in a car accident. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he he made it back safely because he's got, like, post-it notes all over the windows of the car, and he's got the book on the steering wheel, and yeah. Um, the The funniest part of this sequence to me is when he's like, okay... The answer to this hasn't has to be C because we haven't had a C in a while. And then he looks up the answer key and he's like, "A, that's three A's in a row. That can't be right." And I have to say, having put together tests and having had students take tests, there is so much truth to that. <laughs> students will be like, "Well, how was I supposed to know?" Like. I I thought the answer was going to be B, but there just been like three answers before that that were all B. Like that's not fair. <laughs> and what's so funny is that, especially now, um, you know, before beforehand, you know, when when teachers were doing it all by hand, yeah, some te- some teachers would just be jerks and and do that to like throw students off. But now if you if you do uh everything by computer, uh for those of you who may be in college and have to take uh quizzes or tests online, um the teacher will put questions and multiple choice answers into the computer. And the computer randomizes it every time, basically. So the teacher is no longer in control of, like, which answer shows up in which slot at any given time. So it could literally be, you know, A answer all the way down. Hmm. Because it's it's now just kind of a random number generator that chooses which answer goes in which spot. Random between one and four, yeah. That's... Yeah, it's just it's just a random thing of, you know, you put down like this is the correct answer. Like when you're when you're inserting from the teacher's end, you say what the question is gonna be, and then the computer asks you what is the correct answer. And you put that in, and then it'll say, fill in a number of incorrect answers. And you put in as many incorrect answers as you want. And then every time a student takes the test, it will randomize it. And the thing is, is it'll randomize it for every student. So if you've got two students sitting at computers next to each other, the correct answer for the student on the right might be A, and the correct answer for the student on the left might be C. That's one way to avoid cheating. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is that, so unless you're looking at what the actual wording of the answer is, which takes a lot longer and will alert the teacher, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
um it will it will um it will not just be like hey what did you get i got a you know it's random it's generally randomized for every student now so it's really funny because in in our brains want to categorize it of like it can't be a because i just answered a but that's not how computers work <laughs> computers are just like it's a random number generator sequence every answer on the test could be a now and it really messes with a human brain. It really does. But computers don't understand that that's not how human brains work. And it will cause people to miss more answers than they get right. It, it's really it's really messed up, but that is the way tests work now. So you have to untrain your your brain if you're if you're doing tests like that now. <laughs> Sorry, side tangent, but it is very useful information mm -hmm. uh, if you're going through school at this point. So back at the school, Dexter has the brilliant idea of he's going to replace the computer part himself. And what a guy thing to do, by the way, not to be sexist, but like. Like he, they, he. They, you know, they were likely going to call a technician in there anyway to properly replace the part. Yeah, because even the professor is like, I don't know enough about computers to do this on my own. And, like, Kurt Russell's just like, how hard can it be, you know? <laughs> Again, keep in mind that he just got out of a, a, a storm. He's soaking wet, dripping on the floor, working with live electronics. And it's like the storm of the century. So, yeah, he's dripping wet. There's water on the floor because he never dried off before he started doing anything. Live electronics. Of course he was going to get electrocuted. And somehow... Lived. It... <laughs> huh? Lived. He somehow lived. Well, and somehow he lived, but also somehow this transplanted all of the computer's mainframe into his brain because that's how computers work kids yeah that's a little bit of the disney magic in here this is going into magic Even and also i think it's the 1960s like remember how in the 90s everything about the internet was magic yeah like, remember, you know, hackers and the net and stuff where it was just Lawnmower like... Lawnmower man. <laughs> the, the internet is just magic. I think that was just computer in the 60s. Yeah, people just not... People, uh, Hollywood people not really understanding the technology they're writing the movie about. So it's just magic. Yeah, so he gets struck by lightning and suddenly computer is in his brain. So he so yeah, when they realize he's now suddenly a genius because he has the entire knowledge of a computer into his brain. 
if this were to be remade in 2024, he probably they would have said, oh, he downloaded the Internet into his brain. And then we get Ultron. Yeah. If a human being had the entire Internet downloaded into his brain. Yeah, Ultron. Well. I mean. Ultron is a bit more close to what you would get but honestly i think you would just get reddit oh uh, yeah, yeah you would yeah. get like a human version of reddit you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it human... would just be like the 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 worst person in the world it would just be like no that's four chance reddit that's and crypto <laughs> bro you know like elon musk's x the person <laughs> Yeah, oh. Yeah, it would be nobody want to be around. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just everything from Reddit and Twitter and 4chan in one person. Yeah. But because he's now a super genius, he passes the test within minutes. He's now a super genius. They scan his brain and they see a computer in it. But because he's also a young man, there are girls there. I mean, that is what you would what would happen if you downloaded the internet now. A lot of porn. A lot of porn. Yeah, yeah. Picks in bio. <laughs> um but the There is a one thing in here because they start testing him mm-hmm. to make sure that he didn't cheat on the test because he finishes the test in four and a half minutes. And the professor, um, Professor Patty Dukestad, says that no one has ever finished the test before. Like you're not meant to finish the test. You're given a certain time limit. And the test is so complicated and long that nobody is meant to finish the test. And he, he even says, the entire test in four and a half minutes. Yeah, he says, he even says right before he starts the test, if there's a question you don't know the answer to, skip it. You're just going to be judged on the number of correct answers you got, not whether you answered every question. So he kind of gives that hint right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that they're trying to tell, of course, if he cheated, because that's, you know, nobody thinks, oh, dude's got computer in his brain at first, Mm -hmm. and then they scan his brain, and they're like, oh, okay, computer in brain, and then they try to prove it to other people by taking him on TV and having him answer like the most difficult questions live on TV. And so they have this dude that's like, you know, what's the square root of infinity divided by pi, you know? And he answers all the questions and then he's like, Hey, I don't just know math. Ask me other stuff. And there is one part of this movie where I am going to absolutely quibble with it. Mr. Tuesday, can you guess the part of this movie I'm going to quibble with? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'll let you take it. 
Suddenly, having computer in brain means he can speak all language. Yeah, he just reads one volume of... He just reads a little bit of a language book, and all of a sudden he's fluent in every language. Has anybody ever used Google Translate? (laughs) Yeah, he's somehow speaking fluent French at the UN. I mean, that's kind of the point here, is that the college is using Dexter's newfound intelligence to get attention on the school because they can use him to raise more money so they can update the school. Like the Dean is, and it takes a bit, it takes a bit, but uh, Dexter may not be the smartest man or at least as smart as he thinks he is because it takes him a bit to realize that the Dean is using him, that everyone is using him for his newfound intelligence. Well, I mean, I think that, as silly as the premise is, and I'm mm. fine with silly premises. Okay? It, is a Disney, it is a Disney movie, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fault the movie for having a silly premise. Everybody, it's a comedy movie, mm. you know? Um, Just like I'm not going to fault, you know, uh, Absent-Minded Professor for having a silly premise. That is also a ridiculous comedy, okay? But... It's interesting how they accidentally hit on a really salient point about computers, even in their misunderstanding of computers, is that the computer part of him is very good at what it does, but the human part of him is still a doofus yeah like he does not understand throughout the movie that the dean is using him he does not understand that arno is the bad guy he does you know Mm -hmm. like until it becomes the most obvious like Oh, you are holding me at gunpoint. Oh, I heard you say you're just using me for money. Oh, I heard, you know. Because that's not what computers are good at. So that part of him hasn't gotten any quote-unquote smarter. Just because he can do math calculations in a breeze doesn't mean he can understand human interaction any better and also i will give them this he doesn't become for lack of a better term robotic in his emotions like we've seen because i've seen several uh idiot become genius type of movies and tv shows and such and that seems to be the as soon as you become a genius you become robotic you lose all emotion and and whatnot. And in this movie, he still has his emotions. He still has his sense of right and wrong. But the the interesting thing is is that he does become a jerk because he's famous now. Because he's famous now, and people are you know he wasn't the smartest one in the class. He had a girlfriend and he had friends, but he wasn't like the most popular guy, you know? Mm -hmm. 
he was just like one of the gang. And now he's like the most famous guy in, in the country. He's on television. He's going to the UN. He's at NASA. He's they have... throw him a ticker tape parade in New York. It's it's really interesting how, you know, he's got a girlfriend and then the second like he gets off a plane in New York and there are these two cute girls there who are just there to hand him like flowers or whatever. And he immediately just grabs them and kisses them without even asking. Consent, Dexter. Yeah, consent. But the the thing, and so, of course, his girlfriend back home is like, you know, what a jerk. And he starts to ignore his friends and he starts to act like a pompous ass, you know. He's letting it all go to his head suddenly thinking like well i'm brilliant well no you're not brilliant it's the computer yeah definitely getting a big head about himself especially with hanging out with aj arno at the track he's betting on horses making money and he's sent and you know he's going to aj's private restaurant which just happens to have an illegal gambling ring in the back in the back room. Yeah, and, and I do like the kind of the moment that he realizes that he's been a jerk is the moment that all of his you know, he's in jail because the the place got raided by the cops and he gets arrested and everybody else you know all the all the adults for lack of a better term are in there with nobody coming for them apparently and all they can do is ask him hey could you do this for me like the dean realizes that dexter has not signed on for the next semester so the, rather than lose their golden boy they want him to sign so the for the next semester because they need him on for lack of a better term an academic decathlon team. Yeah, quiz bowl basically. Yeah. Guess who was a former quiz bowl kid when she was in school? <laughs> um, but also he's being headhunted by a rival school. Who's like, hey, we can give you a better scholarship, we've got better stuff, we've got, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so they all end up in the jail cell together, and as they're all, you know, waiting, because nobody's coming, except for here comes all of Dexter's friends pulling together their pocket change. To get his bail together. And they're just a little bit short of the bail money by a couple of dollars. And the cop is like, you guys are so rowdy and obnoxious and annoying. I will pay the last couple of bucks if you will just leave. <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. so Dexter is the only one that makes bail that night. Because, you know, he's. He actually has friends who care about him. 
and he admits, you know, I've been a jerk. I'm sorry. I'm I'm from now on. I'm going to be I'm going to stick by you guys. I mean, to backtrack a bit, imagine. Imagine yourself, Kiki, you get a call in the middle of the night. Oh, your husband's been arrested because he was at an illegal gambling facility trying to chase the smartest boy in the world to sign up for their school. I'm pretty sure you hang up, too. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know. Um, But that's the moment that he decides to stay at the school is because he's like, well, I can't leave my friends. He doesn't really care about the school. He cares about his friends. And the fact that they all came to the jail together, pulled together every scrap of change they had to bail their friend out, even though he was a jerk to them. Yeah, and he immediately apologizes to his girlfriend. (laughs) You know, I, I hope she continued to give him hell for a little bit, though. Yeah. But, you know, the the big part, the big part of the movie, you know, most of this movie is little vignettes of, and they are very funny. I, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it because they are, uh, most of them are very funny and cute. But it's kind of like we talked about when we talk about the, the shorts, mm-hmm. how it's kind of difficult to describe like visual gags and stuff because there is a lot of slapstick and stuff in here and it's really just worth watching it yourself I think but kind of the the bigger plot point is getting him on this like televised quiz bowl thing against other colleges because the $100,000 prize will really help the college out. And they kind of, and the the college last year ended up dead last. Yeah. So they want to make good, now that they have the smartest student in existence on their team, they think, okay, we have a chance at winning now. And since he signed for the new semester to stay with his friends, he they they recruit him onto the team, but he has a con- he has a, a a contingency. He'll sign for, but he gets to pick his teammates. He gets the suggestion from the dean of here are the smartest students in the school. You can have any of them as your teammates because with you and them we'll win. Dexter doesn't want any of the smartest kids in school on his team. As we mentioned before, he's decided that he's going to stick by his friends. He wants his friends to be his teammates. And they're not prepared for this. It's a good gesture by Dexter. Again, he stood by his friends, the friends that bailed him out of jail, the friends that he said he'd stick by, the friends he stayed at that school for, but his friends are in over their heads in this quiz bowl scenario. Like he's trying to feed them the answer. Like it's this, you know, like I have no idea what he said and I have no idea what you said. Uh, could you please repeat the question? Which, yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, 
I respect Dexter for wanting to stick by his friends, but was this the smartest move to make? I mean, by the end of the film, yes. Yes, but at that point in the movie, the midway point where we get into the quiz bowl, was that the right call to make? And in the end, Dexter just says, you know what, I'm just going to have to answer every question. It doesn't matter because he doesn't want to answer every question because he wants to give some shine to his friends. But his friends are just in over their heads. One of these friends on the on the quiz bowl team is, in fact, Frank Welker. So it, it's it's cool to see him uh, you know, have that that moment on screen. But yeah, Dexter Oldery said, all right, I'm just going to have to answer every question since I'm the only one on this team that understands the questions and can answer them. Earlier in the movie, there's a keyword punched into uh, A.J. Arno's computer, which is Applejack. A.J. Applejack. Which is the computer code word for Arno of how much money he's making from his various... Uh, gambling escapades. And since the na- the word Applejack is one of the answers in the quiz bowl, it suddenly sparks Dexter going into full computer mode, complete with beeps and boops, saying all of the information of AJ's gambling ring. Now, granted, no one watching understands what those numbers he's saying are but aj arno is watching and he knows oh crap how does he know this we we need to take this kid out before he ruins everything yeah arno freaks out and he's like well we've got to shut down the two um places that got mentioned mm-hmm. which Costs him a lot of money because now he's lost um, two of his underground betting rings. He was like, well, now the kids become a liability. Time to put him on ice. (laughs) Yeah, they don't say kill him, but they're going to kill him. They use every synonym for let's kill this kid that they can get away with in a Disney movie. So they kidnap him. They take it to this secret base that arno has they have they have him go through and pick various winners of various races because if he doesn't uh they will not allow him to eat uh realizing that dexter's gone missing his friends go and search for him they go to the cops with the information they have about but they don't know who applejack is they know they figured out that Applejack is the person responsible for all of these numbers and names. And they figure that Applejack is who, whoever Applejack is, is the guy that kidnapped Dexter. They just need to figure out who Applejack is and they figure out it's 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 Arno. But they figure they'd send it to the cops, which they don't know. They listen to the tapes over and over, but they're not fi- they're not figuring out what what's going on. But they realize that. This kid's missing. They need to find him. Uh, So the kids decide that they're going to kind of bust Dexter out. They disguise themselves as painters to paint the house. They have another one of their guys at at the dormitory kind of covering for them. 
saying, hey, yeah, 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 they're our painters. They're they're a part of our our, our youth outreach program to to teach the to give youth a job and they're but don't worry they're 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 good painters they'll 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 they'll, they'll, take, they'll take care of your house real good so they paint the house they try to find Dexter and they plan to bust him out but at the same time Quiz Bowl is still going Dexter is missing so we're stuck with Dexter's friends who don't know anything and are losing terribly. So, yeah, we get this chase scene, slapstick scene as the kids are trying to bust out, bust out uh, a Dexter. Meanwhile, Arno and his men are chasing them. It's very slapsticky. It's very funny. Again, it's really hard to explain slapstick in an audio medium. Yeah, that is always the problem we have when talking about these movies. Yeah, it's really hard to explain slapstick in an audio medium. But it is good slapstick, I will yeah. say. It's a really well done slapstick. Um, but the important part of this is that he uh is that our our dear darling Dexter uh absolutely gets his bell rung uh during the course of this and I mean just whacks his skull inside this trunk. This kid has a concussion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really bad. Traumatic brain injury. CTE! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they try to get him out, and they try to get, but he's been hit, the hit, he's been hit so hard in the head that he can't even straighten out his body from being in the trunk. Like, they have to carry him. Into the TV studio so he can get on and actually continue the quiz bowl. Like, this kid needs to go to a hospital. He doesn't need to go on a TV show. He is struggling to find the information for the answers. He's He starts talking like it's very painful for him to do so. Of every piece of information that he's trying to find in his head. Oh, I feel so bad for this kid because I've been there. And, you know, uh, this is a really well-acted scene by Kurt Russell. Like, young Kurt Russell, like, you could tell what, what Walt Disney was seeing in him. Yeah. But, yeah, he's just so... Kurt Russell is just so struggling to try to find these answers in his head and the acting is like like he has this look of pain on his face as he's trying to get these answers out and like like you can tell that he's just struggling he's his face is getting red like it needed some sweat to make it perfect um, i think yeah, but you really believe it. I mean, for yeah. for such a silly little film, and for a guy who this is his first starring role, and, you know, he hadn't been in that many movies before, I, I was really kind of impressed. But, you know, he's... He's getting out these answers, and he can't get one of the answers out. The other team 
takes the lead, but they've got, you know, Medfield's got one last shot, and it's the question of what is the city that is the geographic center of the United States, and Dexter just completely fritzes out and passes out. He doesn't have it. He even says, I'm back to normal. I don't know anything anymore. And he gets frustrated. Yeah. I mean, he had all the the knowledge in the world, and now he's got nothing. And that's got to suck. Um, But it turns out that relying on your friends, not such a bad idea. Because... uh, I believe he, one of his friends says, you know this answer. You know this answer because I know this answer. Because I talked to you about it. It's my grandpa's farm in. Wait, I know the answer. I know the answer. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's able to, to give the correct answer, and they win the, the tournament. Lebanon, Kansas. Yep. Which, interestingly, is the second time that has come up for me in the last couple of days. Because huh. it was also a thing on QI hmm. uh, the other day when I was watching QI. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're able to uh, win the, the prize and... Um, as they're leaving the studio to get, uh, poor Dexter some help, Arno and his henchmen, you know, kind of drive up. They're still covered in paint. I I just love Cesar Romero driving up in a paint splattered car covered in paint because it is very Joker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and... They try to chase him and end up instead crashing into a police car. Uh, and I love Cesar Romero trying to salvage the situation by going, don't worry, officers, we have insurance. <clears throat> um, but, you know, they, they, get, uh, they get Dexter some help. And I, I love the ending joke of the film where... Uh, Professor Patty Duke's dad is trying to get a different piece of equipment out of uh the dean yeah, how with the money that they just won. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's some like, you know, I think it's just a Technobabble name. I'm not even sure it's a real thing. And Dexter's girlfriend looks at him and she's like, what is a one of those? And Dexter just looks at her with a completely blank face and goes, I have no idea. And she's like, great, if we get one, don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's how the movie ends. And as I mentioned, there's two more movies of this that sort of follow the same formula. And... 
I'm not going to knock it. It's like, if it's a winning formula, go for it. Again, this movie made enough money while it wasn't a top grossing movie. It at least made enough movie that Disney decided we're going to make two more of these. Uh, honestly, this movie isn't that bad. Uh, other than the not quite understanding how computers work and the fact that this is a movie in the 60s about the cutting edge room-sized computers, it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, if you can get over the the silly premise of, you know, lightning will transfer a computer into your brain, um, it is really kind of cute. I, I mean, compared to last week where I did not laugh once, this movie at least made me laugh. Mm. Um, so this movie at least succeeds at being a comedy, which I appreciated after last week of not having a comedy. (laughs) Um, so if we're asking the question of does this have the magic, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, there's Disney magic in here. It's it's one of those... It's what you think of when you think of this era of Disney. That what would Walt do era where, you know, Walt's gone. This is 1969. Walt's gone. But they're still making movies in that same style. And this does feel like we're trying to make a movie that Walt would like. Yeah, it's it's really kitschy and it's you know okay maybe they could have made it a bit more edgy or whatever but that's not what Disney was at the time you know they were that wouldn't even really really happen until like the 80s yeah I mean this is very much Milk toast, family friendly, you know, playing it safe, 60s era Disney. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Sometimes that's what you want. This is definitely, uh, I guess you could call it a feel good movie. Yeah. Like it, 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 it's the best way I can describe it. It's, you know, it. It doesn't take the movie does not take itself seriously, and I think that's for the movie's benefit. You know, sometimes you want something spicy and complex and multi-layered. Like I said, like a Bond movie, or like Mash, or or like Butch and Sundance. Yeah, and sometimes you just want, like, whipped cream, you know? (laughs) Yeah. This is, if you're in the mood for whipped cream, this is whipped cream, but it's very good whipped cream. It's like homemade whipped cream by your favorite grandma. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's cute, and it's comforting, and it's like, Grab a bowl of cereal and a blankie and just turn your brain off and enjoy. And sometimes I want that. 
and also it's and also it's young Kurt Russell, and you how how can you hate that? And like it shows the future with Kurt Russell, especially during that final part where he's struggling. It 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 really shows that the the range he has that you know Walt saw, saw something in him. For most of the movie, he's playing that laid back too cool for school teen but in that final stretch where he loses his intelligence and he's struggling and he's worried and he doesn't want to let his friends down oh there is one thing we did not talk about that I gotta talk about cause it's just, it's just gorgeous mm-hmm. for like a, a good like half an act of this movie when he becomes the, the famous supercomputer boy they put him in this like double-breasted blue pinstripe suit with like a yellow uh shirt and stuff like that man that costume designer knew what they were doing because that is a blazing fit (laughs) like holy hell that is a good look for young Kurt Russell. That'd be a good look for now, Kurt Russell. I'm just saying, like, recreate that outfit and put that on Kurt Russell now. Send him to an award show in that or something. <laughs> like, that, that'd still be good. Like, I don't know who did the costume design for this movie, but bravo for that particular costume. Because... That is an excellent suit. It is perfectly tailored and all the colors blend well together and it is perfect for what he's going through at that point in the movie. And just, yeah, everything about that, like, mm, timeless. Yeah, this is definitely one of those movies that is, if you're curious about Kurt Russell's early career, or curious about this late 60s era Disney. Honestly, if you just want a movie that's just fun, and I'll say that this movie is fun, and we haven't checked it out, check out the Computer War Tennis Shoes. Again, is this great Disney peak? No, 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 it's not. But this movie knows what it is. It doesn't take itself seriously, and it's actually a pretty good watch. And it might be, you know, if you're one of our listeners that has the the little ones around, I think the little ones might enjoy it too, because it's 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 really just goofy and silly, and there's a lot of slapstick and not a lot of like you know highbrow plot or anything. You might have to explain to the little ones that yes, computers used to be that big. That's what a computer used to look like. But yeah, other than that, all the rest of it's pretty easy to get a hold of. I mean, they could, in theory, do this, remake this if they wanted to. I don't want them to. Please don't. Yeah, I think it's perfect the way it is. I don't even think the 90s movie with Kirk Cameron should have happened, but, yeah, you know, Disney was going to Disney even back then. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's definitely worth, you know, there's magic here. There's something here. Uh, it's worth a watch. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, as for next week, we are getting into the St. Patrick's Spirit with a movie that we wanted to do for a while, 
Darby O'Gill and the Little People. We're going to find out what's at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, this this one has a reputation, and we're going to find out if it's warranted. <laughs> yeah, so come back next week for Darby O'Gill and the Little People, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun, but there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.